Yo, it's time to step into the business bubble. Ooh, good. It's good? I Crap. like chocolate. Yeah, this is a good one. I've got bubble tea all over my table now. Fantastic. <laughs> hey, on your um, on your Instagram, you have a word that says, uh, was it a, a raconteur? Okay. What is that? So firstly, uh, let me explain that the Instagram you're referring to is actually not mine anymore. So I've been hacked for tomorrow will be exactly one year, 16th of June, 2022. How did that happen? Um, I got a message from a, a, who I thought was a friend and said, um, can you help authenticate my account? Uh, just screenshot this thing. They, they texted it to me, screenshot this and uh, send it back to me. As soon as I did that, I got logged out of all my accounts. Dang. And I've never been able to recover it since. So what are you using now? Uh, I have another account. Yeah. Uh, that I started, or actually yeah, that I recovered because I had actually five accounts attached right. to that thing. And um, uh, for those who are interested, it's Mr. Worldwide 1999. And um, it's been a bugger trying to build that back up, you know. But what is – so I love your story. So you when – I, when, when I ask people, hey, do you know Dion Wu? Everyone goes, I know Dion Wu. I've seen him everywhere in, in, in the city, right? Right. When you're trying to build that brand up, what does what, – what is Dion Wu the brand? Um, look, I think uh, I'm probably – one of the most recognizable faces. 100%. Because ugly is recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be the hair, you know, the Astro Boy hair. The I don't Astro, know what it yeah, is. yeah. But also, you know. It's um, a David Beckham mohawk. That's it. Yeah. But also, uh, you know, I'm on social media a lot, so I mm. guess that's where the recognition comes in. Um, and did I deliberately set out to build that brand? No, I, I don't think so. But it kind of evolved and, you know, I, I was, I mean, it's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. How many years have you been, well, what, what did you do prior to kind of doing all of what you do now, emceeing and, you know, being out there is kind of like the, um, like the, the, the um, like I see you at all events and stuff like that. Tell me more. Yeah. So, you know, I'm an event host. That's one of, that's a side business for me. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the uh, big, um, well, mostly, uh, you know, all, all the kind of like Chinese events, I do a lot of those, uh, but not exclusive to just the Chinese community. And, uh, you know, I started doing that a long time ago, um, probably because, you know, the events that I went to, they're always looking for somebody to host it, and no one wanted to, and so I kept on getting volunteered, mm -hmm. right? So that's how it all started. Is that because yes, you are no, you're you're proud PNG, right? Correct. Nah, I got it right. Yeah. <laughs> PNG represent. Yeah, and then but you are the Asian face, and I guess back then when you first started, there weren't very many people that were kind of out there with an Asian kind of face, right? Absolutely, but also because my dad was uh, a pretty famous MC. Ah. So I, you know, I, it was kind of natural that I followed from him. Yeah. yeah. What did you learn from your dad in terms of that MC space? Um. Well, some of the tips that uh, he mentioned, like, uh, you know, <clears throat> um, always shake the hand of the person that you introduce. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you introduce them and then when you farewell them. Uh, it's one thing I always remember to do now and I attribute that uh, directly to him. But, um, you know, he, I, I guess I used to watch him a lot and he used to do, he was pretty much from where we were in Papua New Guinea. He was the pretty much the only MC. So every single event yeah. in town 
was emceed by my dad. Yeah. Right? So um, it was kind of natural for me to follow in those footsteps. It was funny because there was, a, there was a, a family friend of ours and he would always do everyone's wedding right. because he did, I think, one wedding and then they were like, oh, yeah, we'll get Uncle Peter to do it. He does every single wedding. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like that, right? So they've seen Uncle Peter do it before, so let's get him to do it at the next one and the next one and the next yeah. one. And then you also do consulting as well, right? Correct. Yeah. So what's that part? What does that entail? Um, so these days, well, I guess the missing gap is that, um, you know, for the longest time, and I'm talking like nearly 20 years, I was in the hospitality business, right? So uh, I had restaurants, cafes, etc. Um, and now I kind of uh, consult in that area. But uh, also the new area, I know you asked me, like, is there anything new that I'm doing? Yeah. And it's actually in the tech space. So, you know, uh, my company deploys robots into hospitality, like hotels, restaurants, aged care. Right. Yeah. Is it like one of those ones that, you know, you press a button and it goes to a certain table, like those kind of robots? Correct. So you've seen them before. They, uh, they deliver food. They help clear tables. Yeah. Um, but the really exciting development, like especially for this year, is that we're going to be putting them into hotels. So they talk to the lifts, go to different levels, right. and we'll deliver to rooms. Um, and also cleaning. You know, they, 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 they do cleaning. That's so you're you, so it's it's you and just yourself doing this or no 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 I I have uh, there's a bunch of people involved yeah um, so we about five of us yeah but uh, sadly for me I seem to be the only one that's doing <laughs> much with it <laughs> uh, but I, I love it you know because uh, I get I still get to uh, see and uh, you know play with uh, all the connections that yeah. I've made in hospitality over the years yeah and that's the most immediate use for it you yeah know, in in hospitality. Um, but I'm really more excited about the uh, the accommodation space. The hospitality is such a massive industry, right? And yep. you're and and you are you see so many restaurants that are opening up all the time. Sure. They, wh where is the trend of hospitality going? Um, I guess we can go worldwide, and then maybe more focusing on maybe Australia, Sydney. Let's go, Mister Worldwide, 1999. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it's been. You know, like uh, when you would remember mm -hmm. that hospitality or, you know, restaurants in Sydney and Australia were very Cantonese-based, mm -hmm. right? Because all the people from Hong Kong came over and so the food was Cantonese. And, you know, more recently, probably in the last five to ten years, it's been very um, uh, more mainland style, right? And what does that look like? You know, that's like the uh, Sichuan restaurants, you know, the hot pot. Mm -hmm. Um uh, is, was still is very popular. Uh, now a lot of the um, barbecue restaurants are coming online. Ah, uh, yeah, the skewers and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can definitely see that that evolution of uh, dining, you know, in Sydney. Yeah. So is it becoming more? Actually, you know what? These massive bar these barbecues are growing, blowing up. Do people love cooking their own food now? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? That um, you know, you pay to cook your own food. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but with Korean barbecue, there are some restaurants where they get somebody to come and cook it for you. And I think that's pretty cool. Because I just want to go and eat. You know, I don't necessarily want to do the cooking myself. And, you know, uh, I'm not the best cook, so sometimes I can, like, uh, burn it and whatever. Whereas if you've got somebody else to do it, at least you can blame them if something yeah. goes wrong. But yeah. obviously, mostly they do an amazing job. That's You know what? I've, I've actually asked a lot of people this. I didn't put this on our run sheet, but I actually wanted to ask you, what is the... 
What is the heart behind? What is the heartbeat of Sydney? The heart. That's a big question. What do you mean by the heartbeat? Okay, so when you when you come on a plane to Sydney and you go, oh, this is what I experienced about Sydney. Sydney is this. So, for example, we go to New York and we go, oh, New York's the Big Apple. You got musicals, you got um, you got Broadway, you got sports. Um, it's just you know Wall Street, and you got that. What do people think of Sydney, or what do you tell people about Sydney when they come in here? Well. I'll tell you what my experience has been of uh, speaking to people who are visiting Sydney, um, and especially in that food sector, they specifically come to Sydney and Australia for the brunch experience. Oh, interesting, right? Because I think we probably take it for granted, but even in, in a sophisticated uh, eating environment like Singapore, uh, they say they're coming here for that. Hmm. Um, is that smash avos on toast? That well, kind of thing? Uh, for $25 <laughs> with a $10 smoothie. <laughs> well, it could be, but it's all, I mean, you've seen how, you know, brunch in Sydney used to be like the, I mean, the, the most fancy thing you used to be able to get was, you know, bacon and eggs and baked beans and you all get really fancy and tomatoes and mushrooms and spinach, right? Yeah. And now it's like unbelievable. Um, you know, because of Master Chef, etc. You know, it, it's an elevated expectation now when you go out to eat. Um, and you know, like uh, I think Sydney does have a very good, like a, a, a great a brunch uh, experience. Um, but recently, I noticed the Mark Weens. Do you know Mark Weens? No, tell me who's that. He's a food blogger. Okay. Right? Uh, based in Thailand, but now he travels the world eating. And it was interesting to see... Oh, he uh, does the YouTube videos, right? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. big on YouTube. Yeah. And it was interesting to see him uh, come to Sydney. He was in Melbourne. They came to Sydney. But uh, eating the kind of stuff that uh, we take for granted, like, uh, you know, kebabs and that kind of thing. And But, you know, he's got this special ability to make anything, like, very average look unbelievable. Yeah. I'm like, mmm, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but, um, you know... People like you and I, we probably don't uh, really rate um, our our eating culture here so much, mm -hmm. and we always, you know, anything foreign is always better, isn't it? Right. So it's interesting to get that perspective where other people see, well, well Australia is a great eating destination. Mm. Um, Sydney food culture or Melbourne food culture? <laughs> that is the question, isn't it? Um, look, you know what? Uh, Sydney side is going to hate me, but I think Melbourne. Yeah? I think so, yeah. Why is that? Uh, again, maybe it's because it's like uh, distant and you know, w when you travel yeah. distance to uh, experience something, maybe you fantasize to yourself uh, that, it, that it's better, right. right? But, you know, I haven't had a bad eating experience in, in Melbourne and it's mostly been very good actually. So, uh, whereas I have had very average eating experience here in Sydney. Yeah. Um, again, it might have something to do with the fact that we're traveling for that food and uh, you hype yourself into believing mm -hmm. that it's better than it is as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, and Melbourne's been like always kind of recognized as uh, a fantastic like uh, coffee and, and eating destination. Yeah. Probably it's, more so than Sydney. But yeah, then that, and that's what a lot of vloggers, bloggers always say, right? Yeah. yeah. It's all the trendy kind of... That's right. Yeah. I sound, I say it like I sound like I have a bias against Melbourne. <laughs> Whoever's listening from Melbourne, hey, look, you know what? When I was, I was nine years old when I last went to Melbourne, invite me back. But uh, you know what? Uh, <laughs> Change my mind. 
I can't remember her name, uh, but one lady that I think put it really well is that here in Sydney, you know, Sydney is like that beautiful sister, right, compared to Melbourne. And it's got all the natural attributes like the, you know, the, the beach, the Opera House, Sydney Harbour mm. Bridge, etc. So it doesn't try as hard as Melbourne, who uh, is the more average sister. But, you know, to, to shine, you know, she's got to do something a bit more special. Right. And I think that's probably a nice, a good comparison of what Sydney to Melbourne. But that's nice. I mean, you got your assets, we got our assets. Correct. And then we kind of just like, you know, hey, and you know what? It's only two hours, uh, an hour and a half flight. You sure. Know, whole, whole different, you know, kind of But in it. terms of uh, where to live, I probably still would prefer Sydney. It's bloody expensive though. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what's driving everyone bananas, right? Well, that's why uh, very soon, if not already, Melbourne's going to be the most populous city in, in Australia. Because of the prices, right? Correct. Everyone's moving out of Sydney. Well, other than the food part, hospitality also has a service part as well. So what has changed over the last, okay, let's say COVID, right? Yeah. After COVID, uh, before COVID, what was service like? And then now after COVID, what is service like? Um, I don't know uh, other people's experience, but for me, it seems like it's gotten worse, right? Maybe uh, people, maybe, uh, you know, those working in hospitality feel they don't need to try as hard. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I would have thought that, uh, well, my hope would have been that... Um, you know, we would have come out of COVID like shining, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't feel it's it's been like that. Mm. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, uh, the industry kind of been decimated, like all the people disappeared. Yeah. Which is why, partly why, like, uh, uh, our robots business is doing well because there is the, the lack of uh, labor, mm -hmm. you know. So where, what did the robots have to look after? Sorry, I'm going to go off. <coughs> What do they have to look after? <coughs> well, that task is pretty simple. It's just uh, food delivery and, and, and table clearing. Do you, do, you, do you miss that human aspect of it? Do people miss that though? No, I think uh, it's a win <coughs> for uh, everyone. It's a win for the business uh, because, you know, they uh, got a nice new shiny robot and yeah. uh, kind of gimmicky. Uh, people love it. The, the customers love it, uh, intrigued by it. It's great for the staff and we understand that initially, you know, uh, the uh, the workers are fearful that the robot is going to replace them, but that has never happened, right? right? I don't think there's been one job that's been lost because of the robots. Uh, they're there to make their job easier mm. um, because, you know, let's face it, why would you want to do all the menial stuff like taking food to table? Mm. Uh, you still need somebody to take your orders, etc. if that's the way, you know, you, you, you get your orders done. But uh, now it also allows um, the staff to have more time to engage with your customer mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully build that relationship, and uh, which which means you know more uh, repeat business. But do you think that those uh, let's say those Michelin star restaurants or the fine dining ones, they're never going to go into robots, are they? Well, you would think that they wouldn't, but. Um, uh, I don't think there are robots yet in the uh, five-star or fine-dine uh, restaurants, but I think it's just a matter of time. And, you know, they're becoming more and more commonplace and will continue to, to be so. So what's your vision? Five, ten years in Australia uh, later on, so let's say, what, 20, 2033, what does the hospitality industry look like by then? 
Well, you know, great question. And I, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, recently there was a McDonald's in the U.S. that opened up, which has no humans, right? It's totally automated. Mm. So, um, you know, I don't look forward to, like, complete automation like that. Mm -hmm. But certainly uh, it's going to be an increasing part of uh, everyone's lives. It's not just hospitality, right, in, in every industry. So when someone steps into a restaurant, aside from getting fed, what are we looking for? Uh, well, I think why we eat out uh, is for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Is um, to eat the kind of stuff that we can't make ourselves. Right. Right. And the other thing is to enjoy the experience, right? And, um, you know, so uh, to be, yeah, to, it's time out for us, isn't it? So we get, it's our time to enjoy um, eating out with whomever, be it for business or for social reasons. Um, that's why we eat out. Otherwise, there's no point. There's no need to eat out. We just eat at home. Yeah, that's true. In the last, let's say, one or two years, what has been your best dining experience that you can't shake off? Like, damn, this was so good. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. You can say Empress Garden if it makes John. <laughs> uh, I, 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 well, I will say that um, it's not Empress Garden. <laughs> For those who don't know, Empress Garden, one of the longest restaurant, uh, Chinese restaurants uh, in Chinatown, like 35, 40 years now. Yeah. Uh, you know, now being run by our good friend, John Yi. Mm. Um, but uh, I would say that, um, I mean, they, they're very consistent, right? Mm -hmm. But sadly, their business, like most businesses in hospitality, have suffered, mm. right? And of course, we know that there's been those big closures like uh, Golden Century, uh, New Marigold, etc. Yeah. Uh, but I think the industry is not, has not recovered properly mm -hmm. since COVID. May never, who knows? Um, but in terms of the best dining experience, I mean, when people ask me that, and especially like visitors um, to, to Sydney, um, I think, well, I always say this place in Woolloomooloo on the Finger Wharf, um, and it's called um, Kingsley's uh, Steak and Crab House. Um, and I love it there because uh, it's right on the water, um, pretty e uh, easy to park. Um, never failed mm -hmm. um, and you can get uh, you know good meat and good seafood so uh, and I think that's kind of like Australia isn't it yeah right there's a um, <coughs> I'm trying to shake up this cough from last week it's just killing me I think everyone's got it so I'm not the only one um, for COVID 19 sorry it's not COVID 100% <laughs> I, I tested myself I'm good alright um, after COVID speaking of COVID um, are there any shifts and trends that entrepreneurs who want to start businesses, um, especially when it comes to the hospitality industry, that you have found successful? In hospitality? In hospitality. And then we can dive into, you know, like business in general. Any trends? Mm. Um, <coughs> well, I don't know about trends, but I think one of the great tools that have emerged is, uh, you know, ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people to use that more for ideas mm -hmm. and for some level of guidance, you know, mm -hmm. base levels of guidance. Um, but in hospitality, look, you know what? I, because I was in hospitality for 20 years. That's so, a long time. So, yeah. So I know uh, more than most mm -hmm. um, how tough it can be. 
And it never ceases to amaze me when people come and say, look, I'm thinking. And it just happened to me this afternoon, actually. Oh, okay. A guy I hadn't seen for ages, you know, uh, said that he wanted to open a bakery, right, in competition with Emperor's Puff. Oh. No, no, it wasn't like that. Oh, okay. But he just finished uh, a, a TAFE course and... You know, he, he was thinking to open a bakery, but he said he himself worked out that the numbers didn't really add up, right? I mm. said, well, you're right. And I said, I think you want to have a good hard think before you commit to uh, jumping into the business because it's probably, you know, I think uh, F&B is probably the toughest business of all because there are so many things that, uh, that can go wrong and will go wrong. And... Um, but it, like I say, it does, never ceases to amaze me that people are so uh, willing to go into that industry without too much thought, like with no experience whatsoever. And they imagine that oh, because I like to drink coffee, then, you know, it makes sense for me to open a cafe. No, sorry, it doesn't work like that. Right. right? And I always take my hat off to, to those who are prepared to try and those who make it because it's, it's hard work. Yeah. Is there? I notice a bit of a trend that's happening in Sydney that there's a massive um, influx of Japanese restaurants, and um, I, I, just, I mean, we look at Town Hall, right? That, this Town Hall area, mm. and there is so many like Japanese restaurants. We think about Regent's Place, and um, is is it because is it because we, we we miss that travel? Is it because that it's just a trend? Is this gonna last? This, my dad said, this is just gonna be a little trend for a little while, right? And this was back when Easy Way was around. Right. Yeah, I thought so too, actually. But obviously, yeah. you know, it's lasted the test of time. Bloody hell. The bubble teas are now like 20-odd years and still going strong. Yeah. With Japanese, you know, I think um, interesting, uh, you know, uh, case in point in that I think uh, the attraction for Japanese is one, it's, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's highly accepted, right? Japanese food. And generally uh, seen as, uh, you know, uh, tasty. Uh, seen uh, importantly um, hygienic, right, and and <laughs> and some and somewhat healthy, right, right, probably more than like uh, you know an oily uh, noodle or something like that, right, you know, stir fry. Um, so I think that goes you know a bit to the to the success of of Japanese cuisine, yeah. Uh, yeah, especially here in Sydney. Yeah. So the success of food could actually be based on the stigma of like like cultural history, right? Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Absolutely. All right. I think for sure, right? Yeah. I mean, now that you brought sense, it up, yeah. it makes sense. So okay, let's 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 chuck something out there. Um, all right. You know, can't beat myself up. Hong Kong food. It's quick. Yep. It's like you know, chuck it in the wok. Yep. And uh, but it doesn't have that kind of um, doesn't have that you know. The thing that you know, other people, other races would go for, right? Yeah, I mean, like uh, you see, um, I think uh, we talked about evolution, and I think uh, like Sydney basically start, the Chinese food in Sydney started with Hong Kong style food. Mm. Having said that, haven't you noticed that there's been a like uh, return of Hong Kong style food? Like there's more and more opening up, right? Especially you know Howard and those guys, yeah, doing their version of it. Um, but so that you know that that had success for 10 20 years and then i think people had enough and then it went to uh, there was a trend towards thai if you remember right okay yeah 
uh, or maybe you don't remember, but you know, there was a trend towards Thai, and, and like every suburb had a Thai restaurant, right? mm-hmm. very popular. Um, and um, probably for the last 10 years, they've been saying, oh, Korean is the next it, you know, Asian cuisine, which um, I don't know if it is or it isn't, uh, but there's certainly uh, been more of it, and you know, it, it, you know, it's trendy because of Korean drama. Yeah. So the barbecue and uh, you know that that style of eating and the fried chicken, of course, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's kind of trending a bit. I don't know what the next stage is going to be. You know, they're, they're saying Filipino food, but for me, oh, the fellows are not going to be happy with me. I don't think it really like cuts it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need a Jollibee. Yeah, they opened one, didn't they? Here in Sydney. In Liverpool. No way. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to see, uh, you know, mass fillows, uh, yeah. go to Jollibee in Liverpool. <laughs> I'm going to call up my friends. I say, hey, Jollibee. Let's Jollibee. Go. <laughs> Have you tried their food? The spaghetti and the chicken? Yeah, I tried Jollibee in Manila. Oh, Manila? Yeah. yeah. How'd yeah. you find it? You like it? Well, weird, you know right? What? Yeah, look, it's very basic, right? Yeah. But, you know... It's there, and, and you know, I think uh, Jollibee is like McDonald's. Yeah, it's um, you know, you, it's acceptable. Yeah, uh, you know what you're getting. Yep, right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it it has its market. Why do we like American food so much? So I mean, we got a Wendy's opening up soon. We got a Taco Bell opening up soon. Uh, we, oh, we got a couple of Taco Bells already. Macca's KFC is always going to go off. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think Americans. Are, are very good at marketing. Mm-hmm. Having said that, Taco Bell opened and failed, right? Isn't Many that? years ago. Yeah. Right? Like Pizza Hut. You know, they had a Pizza Hut and a Taco Bell right next to each other. And both brands, like, have disappeared uh, for at least 10, 15 years now. And Taco Bell's trying to make a comeback. I don't know how they're going to go mm-hmm. because we've got a good... A uh, very good Australian uh, version, which is GYG, right? and that's global now. Yeah, I mean, it's like selling ice Eskimos, isn't it? Because they've opened in America now. Yeah, why did why did GYG do so well in Australia? Uh, I mean, I'm not a big GYG eater. Yeah, I have a friend who eats it nearly every day. Okay, um, but I think I think because um, there was a need for that category of food and no one was doing it Mm. so GYG came along and did a decent job with it you know so I mean their food is is pretty good Mm. Um, I think the marketing is solid so it had all the ingredients to be successful yeah almost like a little new chain kind of thing right and people yeah and um, I mean if you think about it yeah what other brand exists or that that comes to mind readily in that category, there's not really. Not really. Yeah. I mean, what's the Mexican? There's another Mexican one, right? Um, uh, Mex. Me- something. Yeah, but see, that's, that's exactly. <laughs> Isn't that your point? Right? Your yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, look, John opened Cinnabon, yeah. right? And that's, I mean, I've noticed a lot of people my generation, they flock to that. I haven't tried one yet. You um, haven't? no. Oh, my goodness. And that's a sign, uh, John, to uh, bring over a pack for Nathan. That would be really nice. All right. The oh. complete, uh, you know, all, all the different kinds of the scrolls that they've got there. I'm going to crop this part out and just send it to John. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're doing well. 
which um, I will admit um, surprised me. And I say that because Cinnabon actually, just like Taco Bell and Pizza Hut mm. you know, all those years ago, started but failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's been this uh, mad uh, attraction about it now. I don't know what it is. What's the demographic that you've seen in terms of the audience that goes to that? It's young. It's young, isn't it's it? It's young. Like Gen Z, millennials and kind of thing, right? Correct. You'll never correct. see anyone in, you know, like my parents' age yeah. going there. And I think uh, probably, you know, a lot of the success, uh, I hope not unfairly when I say, uh, is attributed to social media, right? Uh, it was trending big time on TikTok and, you know, people uh, see things and they want to try it. Yeah. So I think that that's really assisted uh, the brand yeah. and the product. Um, but... Let's remember also that uh, when Krispy Kremes opened, right? Like, I remember when it first opened, on the second day, my mate said, hey, we're going to Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Or Penrith. It was out in Penrith. Yeah. So we drove to Penrith to wait nearly an hour yeah. to get donuts. Can you, like, if you, when you think about it now, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Right. Because it's just around every single damn corner. That's right. And now um, it's kind of died, or it's certainly not as hyped as it was. Mm-hmm. And that's because it became kind of like everywhere, right? So uh, Cinnabon's at one store, mm-hmm. and I know there's plans to grow more, but, you know, I think there's the danger of uh, uh, cannibalizing your own success if you open too many outlets. Maybe it might be more prudent to just open, a, you know, five or six in Sydney maximum and just, like, do really well with those. Yeah. But what do I know, you know? Hey. You know, but you, you you can see, right? You can physically see, like, the generations that are choosing certain things, right? Correct. And I think this younger generation, I mean, the Gen Zs and the Millennials, there's there's this thing that's, I, I've spoken to a lot of, like, not just my cousins, but friends as well. We're in that stage where we're going, hey, house prices are too expensive. We should just rent. We shouldn't, you know, and a lot of, even my clients, myself, right? They're kind of leaning and trending more towards the older generation now. Um, you know, refinancing and all that stuff. It's the younger guys are kind of going, look, there's no point in me trying to get into the market because I'm not going to get there. So what do I do with my extra money? I'm going to buy experiences. I'm going to spend money on experiences. Are you are you detecting that kind of despair in the marketplace? Oh, 100%. Yeah? yeah? Yeah. It's like, oh, I've lost hope. So, you know, we try to have to, you know, we've got to instill a little bit of hope in them, but at the same time, there's a bit of reality it's, as well. Right. Well, you know, um, it's kind of sad, isn't it? And I think even the old generation accept that, you know, our kids aren't going to be able to afford, um, uh, well, living in Sydney, like right. owning a home in Sydney, you know, unless they start opening up more land and building more. Uh, but interestingly, you know, I saw the report that uh, of the three states, Melbourne is the one that is most in dire need of new housing, followed by Queensland and then, you know, like New South Wales fared well in terms of um, you know not not as being as in in as desperate a situation yeah but having said that Sydney's the most expensive right so maybe that's it's creating problems for the other states when they're moving to Queensland or Victoria yeah to try and find accommodation right and um, what are the some well, someone what are the some of the um, like weirdest ideas that people come to you about about opening a particular chain or food thing or something like that weird ideas yeah 
Ooh. They didn't have to like, didn't have to you know be- become anything. Didn't have to flourish or anything like that. But what just what are some weird ones? I bet people have come to you and you know, Dion, I want to open this. Uh, actually, tell the truth, I I haven't really come with any weird ones because I would never say it's weird, but I would always kind of like uh, uh, temper their enthusiasm, right? Which is kind of unnatural for me because I'm naturally a, a very positive an optimistic person. Right. So they have to tell somebody, hey, just just relax and have a take a deep breath and think about it properly before you decide to go forward is not natural for me. Yeah. Because I'm naturally a, a hype person and very positive, right? But because of my experience, then you know I want to be able to to, to give them some advice that would probably uh, you know protect them somewhat. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of people go into it very naive, okay. right? With with no plan except that I think it's a great idea because I'm a good cook or whatever. Yeah, and it takes so much more than just having one skill set. You know, right? And, and, and it's not just in hospitality in any in any business. You need to be like more uh, fully armed. Yeah, because a lot of people get passionate about it and they jump into it without realizing that. Hey, I didn't realize that. I got I got all these overheads that I got to make sure that I absolutely. Mm, so passion. So here's Dian wisdom. Just because you got a passion about it, just because you have passion for it, doesn't mean that it's something that can actually turn into a good business. That's right. right. I mean, you definitely passion is 100 percent the ingredient you need. Yeah. Right. But you need so much more than passion. All right. Well, speaking from your entrepreneurial journey, what are what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned over the years? Uh, okay. Well, look, uh, one thing I, I guess that entrepreneurship has taught me, and I, and I mentioned before that I'm naturally a very positive guy, right? And that I'm, uh, I, my, my default position is yes. Um, I think there's a danger in that in business, and uh, you probably need to uh, be comfortable and know when to say no. Right. Right? Um, because you know you only have so much energy, you only have so much bandwidth, and you've got to be more directed in uh, your time is one thing. Um, also, you know um, the detailed stuff, which I'm kind of like a big picture guy. I'm not so great with the details. And sometimes when you're not good at something, you tend to try and want to uh, palm it off to somebody else you fix that you fix that right but that's cost me uh you know i've made that's that's been a i've I've learned some big lessons from that like you got to get uh comfortable with dealing with uh detail and especially around contracts and leases and that kind of thing uh because you know very big mistakes can happen when you try and offload that to to other people Mm mm-hmm that you think are going to do the right thing by you. Mm. Yeah. Any other ones? What about uh, failures and things that kind of set you back? Well, just in relation to that, you know, so uh, I started, actually it was one of my first businesses and it was a really great business. It was probably my first uh, fortune, right, um, was made from that. But, you know, I uh, offloaded the task of... Uh, uh, say lease renewal to somebody else, right? And basically, I got screwed because, and I didn't know it at that time, but you know that person um, basically uh, was also 
working on behalf of my competitor. <laughs> and so, of course, my competitor got it. Yeah. You know, which cost me millions of dollars. Just a million, couple million dollars, <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you, are there any, um, um, when, you, when, when you jump into a new business, is it important to jump in with an exit strategy? Uh, the answer is 100% yes. And that's part of the problem that uh, like I encountered. Because you're a positive person generally. So you, Correct. Right. And I think every entrepreneur is. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in business, right? So you, you have that uh, uh, faith, right, let's call it, uh, and the expectation that I've got a great idea, I've got these skills, I've got the product, whatever, and uh, everything's going to be fine. No. I think uh, some good advice would be uh, ex- go into you know, your business or cast your eye over it expecting that everything is going to go wrong. And one of the great pieces of advice that I got given was that if you can, if everything goes to shit and you can still take it, then it's worth it's worth trying. But if you don't think you can recover if things go pear-shaped, don't do it. You know? Right. So jump into it if you think there's a possibility, yeah. That it's going to blow up and you're just going to fail. Yeah. If you can handle the failure, right, and, and be able to stand uh, okay yeah. uh, after that, then it's okay to do it. Like you end, end back at square one. and is Because... Starting something when you're 20, starting as, as opposed to starting something when you're 30 or when you're 40 and 50 and have a kid, they're completely different things. That's right. So I guess uh, we, as we age and as our level of responsibility ups you know, over time, we then get more conservative, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And that's an, a natural uh, position to take right? because you've got more that you need to protect. Right. Um, I'm finding that I'm finding that I am getting more conservative in my approaches uh, to business. So, just like what I mentioned to you, I mean, if I feel that if I have an idea, or somebody comes to me with an idea, and I reckon I'm okay if everything went to shit, and I'm still going to be, I can still say, well, I tried and uh, it didn't work out, so be it. Then I can take a look at having a stab yeah if I feel that I can't then I'll say sorry mate you know I'll pass on this one yeah are there any major events in your life that you go hey you know what I can't believe I was part of that uh, major events yeah um, or things that you've been invited to and you can go oh man I, I can't believe I was part of that that's really cool <laughs> yeah so like uh, one of the uh, you know I host a lot of events right yeah so uh, one of them was just like for the star you know the casino and which is on the Gold Coast, yeah. And it was basically their uh, backrat tournament, and you know we were going to give away a million dollars, you know, during that. I think it was the weekend of that day, and uh, which we did. Uh, but just to be part of that and all the all the glitz and fun that was involved, and you know there was a guy from Singapore that like in in, in two hours had dropped dropped forty five million. Far out. Yeah, exactly. I so thought you were going to say 45,000. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was, a cra- it was crazy stuff like that. You know? Like a kind of a surreal <coughs> uh, situation. Um, yeah, and, you know, one of the, part of the stuff that I really enjoy hosting, uh, you know, is weddings. And uh, so one of the crazy weddings that uh, I did, you know, the, uh, the couple, uh, Chinese, you know, family super rich, 
and um, they they organised to build uh, a marquee at the Botanic Gardens. Yeah. Wow. And they they flew all their guests in, like paid for their all their flights, all the accommodation. Right. Um, the biggest cake I had I'd ever seen. Like it was about ten levels high. Uh, Wedding had, probably cost forty five million. Yeah, they had entertainers like from The Voice, you know, perform. Yeah, the people who did the um, the uh, New Year's Eve fireworks did their fireworks. So it was just a crazy event. It was actually like a uh, a TV show, you know, like every second mm. uh, was accounted for. Damn. Yeah. Damn. So okay, let's go to the MC then. Um, what, what what's your experience as an MC? What um what how did you get into that? I mean, well, I mean, how how did you kind of stay in that sphere? Um, you know, because you did one, you know, you kept doing it, and then you're staying in that sphere, branding yourself around that whole MC space. Like, what does that look like for you now? Uh, now I like to think that I'm probably the go-to guy. Yeah. For the big events, right? So you know, I, I've uh, and I think I've earned it, mm-hmm. right? So I've been doing it for a long time, and uh, I think uh, I'm one of the best at it. Um, but I think you know, like I haven't lost that uh, that passion and fun around doing that role because you know every event is different, uh, and I get to meet so many people mm. um, through it. Uh, get to go to so many different venues. Um, so I think. Uh, um, I mean, I think people need to, whatever it is you're doing, firstly, you, you really got to enjoy it. Secondly, you can only become good or the best at it if you genuinely enjoy it. And I think that's what's happened for me, right? Uh, I throw myself right into the role and uh, you got to produce like every single time. I mean, you're only good as, as good as your last event. Yeah. Um, so I, I like to think I'm pretty consistent uh, in that way. Do you, what, what's your mindset when you prepare for these events? My mindset? Yeah. I think, I think at my core, I'm probably like a showman and an entertainer, right? And I think that's how people see me as well. Yeah. Um, and that's probably why they come to me because they know that I'm going to be able to bring some kind of fun or quirky, uh, interesting, um, you know, aspect to, to that role. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like, uh, <clears throat> so one of the interesting things that, uh, experiences I had when um, there was this uh, lady who they were going to do an event for China Telecom, right? And they said, look, we're thinking about having you do our event uh, to launch this new product. I said, yeah, great. She said, but I I first want to come and see you. Okay. Right. uh, Perform. So she came to one of the events that I did. Uh, We spoke afterwards and she said, yeah, that was great, but... I think, um, you know, you, you, you could have been a bit more formal. Because I was like cracking jokes and whatever. And I said to her, look, you know, uh, anyone can read a script, isn't it? But uh, it's, uh, and, and that's why people pay more for comedians, for example. Yeah. Isn't it, right? Um, you gotta, you know, uh, because my style is fun. It's, it's rolling with the audience. And um, I said, you know, if you want straight up, I can do straight up, right? But that's not really my style. Maybe you can, you could actually just look for anyone to do that. And um, 
I mean, the event didn't go ahead in the end because they didn't get the license to do what they were planning to do. Uh, but yeah, that's what I say. Like, if you're after uh, straight up, anyone can do that. Yeah. But if you want someone a little bit different, then you know we can talk. Yeah. Any any best tips for people who are doing? Let's say, for example, groomsman is, you know, doing a, a speech or something like that, or you know, someone's hosting a wedding. Any tips for you? Yeah. Well, uh, good question. And somebody asked me that just uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, he's going to MC for the first time. And I said, look, firstly, you got to understand that when you're uh, in that role, that anyone who looks at you will think, well, I'm glad it's him and not me because it's not easy to get in front of people and to, to guide an event, right? And I said, so you got to know that you're probably, uh, your position is elevated, uh, you know, <clears throat> um, more than probably 99% of the room, okay? I said, secondly, that, um, you know, <clears throat> I think, you know, people are very forgiving. So if you're nervous about it, and from the front you say, listen, I'm not a natural public speaker. This is the first time I've done it. I want to ask for your forgiveness in advance if anything goes wrong. Automatically, you're a champion. And if, you, if things do go wrong, then you've already asked for the forgiveness, haven't you? Yeah, because people, are, I'm, I'm assuming that when you step out in the platform, people are going to judge you from just the way you look straight away. Absolutely. Yeah. So then when you kind of lay down your lay down your armor and you go, hey, you know what? This is who I am. Yeah, I'm sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, I think especially Australians, you know, uh, that's our nature. We, uh, you know, we're very forgiving, aren't we? Yeah. Have All you, you have to do is ask for it. Have you hosted in other, in other countries as well? Um, I've hosted in Singapore. Yeah. What's that audience like? Uh, they're a tough audience. They're very uh, <laughs> stiff, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, thankfully, you know, uh, you know, they're all English speakers. Right. Um, and as I worked, as I found out, it's not a big thing over there, apparently. Like, as in? As in uh, to, to have an MC at oh. events. Yeah. Okay. Especially for, like, weddings. Oh, yeah. So who who runs the the wedding, Michelle Yeoh? <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll they'll generally just have uh, you know uh, someone at the hotel mm. uh, just you know guiding things, but not not really have a formal MC. Yeah. How did you identify your X factor when you were doing you know st standing behind a mic like with a mic in your face? How did you work out this is my X factor? This is what I'm I do better than other people. Um. Ooh, great question. I think um, there's there's a natural baseline of being a show-off about me. Yeah. Right? And uh, look, there's not a lot of things that I'm good at, but I figure this is my chance to become like decent at something, isn't it? Right. So you just work on that. And uh, I, I, I love to surprise people whether that's uh, with a joke or a song or whatever, because I love to see their face when they think, oh my God, is that happening? Like, what's going on here? Right? <laughs> what's your, is there a go-to karaoke song for you? Uh, not really, but because, uh, you know, I um, work around weddings, then mm -hmm. uh, I often leave that as a surprise for the couple so they won't know that I'm doing it. And when I do, then I just love that look on their face and think, Oh my God, right? <laughs> wow, we should have paid him more. <laughs>
and then and then when you um when you're at the um when you're at these these events, right? Um, it's, okay, so if you're at a wedding, the if you're at a wedding, the, 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 the people that are getting married, they're the people that you kind of want to spotlight. Um, in an event situation, when you're emceeing that, uh, what's your focus then? When I want to spotlight them. No, like who, who, who are you spotlighting in an event situation? Are you the spotlight? Like how? No, no, no. It's always <coughs> um, like uh, I like to spotlight. I always ask the couple. Yeah. <clears throat> Who do you want me to spotlight? Are there anyone coming from overseas, for example, or interstate? Okay. Right? So, uh, I mean, if people have traveled distances to be there, then they deserve yeah. that spotlight. So I always want to, you know, spotlight them. But obviously, it's the uh, bridal party and, of course, the bride and groom, and uh, generally um, their parents. In an event then, so let's say, for example, it's a new business launch or something like that, Who's your? what's your focus? Well, uh, my focus as the MC is always to highlight the speaker, right? So I'll have a bio and then I'll, I'll, I'll really talk them up because, yeah. um, you know, that's my job to make them look good. Right. And, and be the, you know, they're the authority. Um, they're going to, like, uh, be talking about something really special for the audience. So my job is to hype them. Yeah. What's the best speaker? What, what are the best attributes of a speaker that you've seen? Um, I'm, I'm always impressed by uh, people who um, that can can just stand up and and it, it almost seems like they're speaking without notes, right? Uh, because I think it's it's a very hard thing to do to be able to speak naturally, um, and it's a really crappy thing when you're virtually just reading. Mm -hmm. your notes so I like that and I like people who uh, you asked the question before about raconteur uh, which I don't think I answered so raconteur is somebody who tells stories in a, a fun and amusing way right and uh, that's the title I had in my uh, hacked account right <laughs> raconteur meaning storyteller but uh, people say Dion you know you always go to the best events right really interesting events and I think it's like anything, whatever you do, wherever you are, it's how you tell the story. Because you and I can be, I always say to people, you know, you and I can be at the same event. We had the same experience, but it's how you relay that experience to somebody else that makes all the difference, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the aspects of good storytelling then? Um, I think you... Um, yeah, I, that's a tough one actually yeah. for me to, because that's a off-the-cuff question. But uh, I always pick out one or two aspects mm -hmm. that relate personally to me or hits me in a particular way. Yeah. Because it needs to be authentic. Right. right? Yeah. And I think that's the key thing uh, when you're speaking, right? You've got to be speaking with authenticity. Yeah. And uh, if you find one or two things about an event that really hit home for you, then you're going you're to be best equipped to be able to convey that right. and, and why it hit you in a certain way. I think that's interesting for people. I remember watching a video on YouTube. It said, Tom Hanks is the best storyteller. And this is why. So Tom Hanks, when he, I, I don't know, have you seen a video on him on like host TV host shows like Graydon Norton or something like that? 
When he starts talking about something, when he starts explaining a story, he loves to use his hands. He changes his voice, his accent, his tonality. Uh, and then, you know, he almost impersonates someone, right. puts you in that zone. And I always find that some of those ones, they just kind of capture you, bring you in. And So do you think that, uh, th that's true about him, that he's like a great storyteller? I would say so, yeah. I think most actors are, right? Because that's the whole thing, isn't it? The right. Whole, to, to be telling a story through voice, through body. Yeah. Can you do accents? No, I wish I could. Because yeah. I love doing impersonations. I, oh. I wish I could. You know? Yeah. Can you do any impersonations? Uh, none that I'm confident to try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, you know, I pull one out uh, when I'm like bantering with my friend yeah. uh, about Donald Trump and then it's like, oh shit, that was pretty good, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I wish, I, some people are really fantastic at it. Some I wish I had that skill. It, it is a skill. There's a, so I remember watching a video of, um, I think it was Jay Farrow. Have you heard Jay Farrow? He's, he's, he does like, Denzel, Kanye, Morgan Freeman. He does he does all those guys. Does he? Yeah. Really, really good. And he says, whenever I need to get into an impression, I always have like one trigger. Um, and then, um, for example, I think he did that like Kevin Hart. And then he goes, whenever I do Kevin Hart, the first thing I go is, here's the thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like uh, when you... You're basically channeling someone, right? Right. So that's more than just the voice. It's it's the facial. It's the body. Yeah. 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 Hey, Asian Asian representation is something that's kind of like massive right now. It's happening, and ever, and breaking that Chinese that bamboo ceiling and all of that. Um, I had an awesome conversation with another guy on the podcast, and he said that now is the time in our generation where they have epochs um, of moments in, in in time where you know. Europe, Europeans went to America. That kind of created this new generation. Americans move like now moving into American moving into China, and that's now a new generation. They don't happen very often, but because of these massive kind of changes where the power is shifting, do you think that there is a for you know for Asian Australians, Asians living in Western countries? Is this a moment where we are actually breaking open something new, where we're actually being more accepted, that people are kind of recognizing us that, hey, look, you know what? We're all right. Ah, uh, wow. Well, you know, some, I think so. If you're talking in general terms, yes, I think. But then sometimes stuff happens, you think, you know, we haven't really progressed that much, right? But I would love to think that um, things are more open, things are more... Uh, uh, you know that that the bamboo ceiling doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, but it does, right? But you know what? It's up to people like you and me to to help break down that ceiling, right? And I I think to do that, you know, you you like anything that happens, you know, you you need for for me, right? Um, that's been important to me, like um, you know, Asian representation or just being the best version of myself so that, uh, um, you know, uh, non-Asians can see, well, shit, I mean, they have talent, they're, they're decent people, right? And um, to, to kind of help, it almost sounds sad to have to say, like to, to help uh, lift and elevate, you know, the, the, the status of Asians in this country. Do you feel like you have a responsibility to carry that? Um, I... I yeah, I think that feeling of responsibility has grown over the years because of, I guess, the uh, 
the position I kind of occupy. Your right? platform. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm highly visible. So um, I think I do have a responsibility. And yeah. there is an expectation um, on me, uh, whether that's uh, justified or not. Because at the end of the day, you, you, you do need people who are going to have to be a role model of sorts, isn't it? Mm. Right? Because the idea is that, you know, you want people to kind of look at someone and say, hey, look, you know, I can be like them, right? It's championing the next generation. Absolutely. Is that, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is, is that something that's kind of come uh, a little bit more um, to, to your heart, especially in the last, you know, the last, you know, I'd say decade or so in your life? You kind of like shifted towards that. Hey, you know what? Definitely within the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. Any any advice that you'd give to 20, 30-year-olds um, that you would have given to yourself back then? In terms of? In terms of, hey, you know what? Give it a go. Like any, uh, If you were to give a billboard to these 20, 30-year-olds um, at this current time in their life, uh, what kind of things would you say to them? Well, uh, one thing that uh, hits home for me, and I think, uh, you know, we should all embrace that whether we're Asian or not, is that um, if not me, then who? Isn't it, right? Uh, everything starts somewhere. And it, it starts with that mind shift, right? And if you don't have that, then you're not going to be able to uh, progress to the next level. Mm. So, uh, I, and I think it's an, uh, it, you know, <clears throat> the time that we're living through is both exciting and uh, worrisome, let me say, because you know we've we've seen a lot of the uh, Asian hate crime stuff develop in recent times, and we all know where you know that that's coming from and who continues to perpetuate that. But it's also the time to to stand up more, uh, you know, rigidly and and push back and uh, and also show well, you know what, we're above this stuff and. Uh, you know, um, we can be examples or exemplars, you know, of mm. what it really means to be a, a decent human being and, and uh, that we, you know, deserve, uh, you know, whatever plaudits come our way. Mm -hmm. um, so very interesting times we're living through. Where do you, where, do you see yourself in uh, politics one day? Yeah, well, I I did see myself uh, as maybe heading down that road, and then I came to the conclusion that well, you know, I I think I think I prefer my back knife free. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can never say never. Of course. Uh, and I've certainly been asked uh, multiple times yeah. from different parties, uh, you know, to consider. Yeah. Um, but I'm just having a lot of fun doing what I'm doing, and I think there's a lot that I can uh, contribute. There's a lot more I want to achieve, like in business, etc. Yeah. Uh, and I think I still got time on my side. Like if that's something that was going to happen for me down the road, then I, I would look at it then. But right now, I'm just having fun. Hey, look at Biden. Look how old he is. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and he's still gonna, intending to run for the, you know, the uh, next another, cycle. Another one? Exactly. Hey, good, best to him, man. 100%. Good luck, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're one of those people that when I, when I think of you, you connect with so many people, right? You have... Um, you are the people's people, if if anything, right? Wow, that's a that's a big mantle. I'll give you that. You know who Thank else? You. Uh, who else? Right? But you, right? <laughs> who else? But you. So, so I, I would say that I would say that you have 
an awesome relationship building skill. Um, and also something that you have that's pretty cool is you make people feel really comfortable when, when, when they're around you. Um, what is, what's some kind of advice that you would give to people who are trying to, um, trying to be more, like not only be, uh, show humility, but also, um, be able to have that, um, relationship kind of building, um, trust that you give to people. Yeah. Um, that's a really powerful question. And I think, you know, relationships are the basis for everything, isn't it? Yeah. Um, um, you know, personal or in business. Uh, and it's, I think it's about uh, building trust, right? And I think uh, people, you know, um, interestingly, I think, I think uh, Asians tend not to trust as easily, right? In, in my experience, but, uh, you know, you become very firm friends once you overcome that initial challenge. Um, I, again, I again say it comes back to authenticity, right? Be real. Don't BS because the, I think one of the worst things you can do is when you put up a persona and you, and you, and you give out the BS and then you're found out, then any credibility and trust is like just vanishes, mm. right? Um, and I think just have the intent to, uh, to, to try and, I, I always believe in give first, right? So, um, what, when you're trying to build a relationship, you, you, I think it's, it's easy to say things. It's better when you do things and you show, Hey, this is, you know, I'm, I'm extending my hand in friendship. This is what I can do for you. Uh, and I think we should always, uh, find out like, what are the, uh, um, yeah, how can I add value? I know, you know a lot of business people say that, but it's true. Like, uh, how can I make your life a little bit better because you knew me, right? What's mm. the challenge in your life that uh, I can uh, try and solve for you? Mm. Wow, powerful. Write a book. Well, there's plenty of books on that stuff, you know. Yeah, that's true. And that's the other thing. I think, uh, you know, we're living in such an exciting world now where information is at your fingertips, right? Yeah. Whatever you want to learn or know, you know, you can get it in a second. If you were to write a book, what would you entitle it? I've had people say, look, uh, I'd go to your course or I'd read your book if it was about networking because, you know, I come across as a strong networker. Oh, yeah. But I think, uh, you know, that's just about genuinely liking people. And being liking to be around people, mm. um, and you know, networking. Um, some people hate doing that kind of stuff, but for me, it's just l learning about people. You know, I think if you take that approach, if you generally want to learn about somebody uh, a bit about their business life or their personal life, uh, and people sense that you are genuine yeah. and, and you just want to learn about them, then they're going to be interested to learn about you. Right. right. Yeah. So it's kind of like not just showing a veil, but literally taking off the veil. I'm authentic yeah. through and through. I'm not just here because I want to like score some business from you or something like that. Yeah. Right? I actually genuinely hang around you. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. If you were, if there were three people that you could um, sit on a dinner table and pick their brain on, <laughs> all right, have you ever been asked this question? Uh, dead no, or alive? Not, not directly. Okay, dead or alive? Uh, that I would like to invite to dinner. Yeah. I think uh, Muhammad Ali. Because? 
because I think the guy's awesome, world champion, uh, you know, was prepared and did go to jail for because of his convictions. Yeah. Um, yeah, him. And I just love his style. Yeah. Right? It comes across as arrogant, but, you know, it's, it's just super confidence. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you're good and you know you're good, you know, you, I'm just calling it like it is, right? Yeah. Like, I'm good. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I am the greatest. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. I've been waiting for that. Who's <laughs> number two? Um, well, topically, probably Andrew Tate. Ooh. Yeah. He's you know who I'm talking about. 100%. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just like super uh, intrigued in the things that he says and his his thinking on very sensitive uh, topics, mm-hmm. right? You know, they're all trying to shut him down. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, I think, and and he's such, uh, this, he's got this very attractive quality where, and, he, and he's super smart, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'd like to invite him to dinner and get more of his thinking about different things. Yeah. And number three? Oh, number three. So the first two are settled. Number three, who else would I have there? Um, maybe, uh, I was going to say Warren Buffett, but he might be, you know what, he wouldn't be boring. Because he's, I've actually met him in person. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Went to his uh, convention in uh, Omaha ah. uh, last year. Yeah. So, I mean, he's in his 90s and still super sharp. Obviously, one of the richest men in the world. Um, yeah, pro- maybe, probably him, actually, just to round it off, you know. Because there's an athlete, and there's a thinker, and then yeah. there's a finance guy, so. Andrew Tate, meet Warren Buffett. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of Tate, right, this is such an interesting idea, right? Because he's... Actually, he- that would make for a very interesting discussion over dinner because, you know, Tate, uh, you know, says, yeah, you know, he, he deals in crypto, etc. whereas Buffett would say, I would never touch it, right? So that would be a very interesting dynamic to yeah. see over dinner. We live in a time that's actually quite sensitive and don't get yourself cancelled, but uh, there's so much, I guess everyone wants to show their identity and all that stuff nowadays, which is absolutely fine. Um, Does that affect the way that you actually go about business nowadays? You mean being careful? Yeah. As to, let's say for 20 years ago, right? You make any jokes that you want, but nowadays we have to be a little bit more careful. 100%. And that kind of bugs me that Mm. I need to be a bit more circumspect about what I say because there's plenty I would say especially about the whole like you were saying Australia China relationship etc right um, but yeah I mean I once uh, went on LinkedIn and I, I, it just bugged me that you know the, all this uh, anti-China propaganda that's coming and it is propaganda yeah right and uh, basically there was this guy, I won't mention his name, but, you know, and, and he's passed now, so you don't speak ill of the dead. Mm. But, uh, you know, he was hyping up that uh, we're, we're going to be at war for sure within a couple of years, whatever. And it just bugged me. And I said, listen, sir, um, like, uh, where are you getting your information? It was the same people that gave us the uh, information about the... Uh, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And then within five minutes, I'd got this anonymous message and saying, how much are you being paid by the CCP? <laughs> you know? so, so if there's something that really annoys me about you know, like the current climate is that you cannot say anything positive about China without being shouted down at or being 
uh, yeah, labeled a stooge. Or yeah. The, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, Keyboard it's, warriors. It's mad, exactly. It's really funny because um, on some of the reels that I post on online, uh, especially some of the ones where I talk about, oh, hey, you know, um, this is the difference between Chinese buyers and Australian buyers in the property market. Wow, some of these comments are savage. <laughs> like, go, go back to China. You know, you're a CCP spy. Like, mate, my dad was born in Hong Kong. I'm from here, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, the funniest one today, it gets a Hall of Fame. I posted it on my Instagram and it said, um, I don't trust anyone who drinks bubble tea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> You're loving it. Thank you, 1014. That's right. <laughs> Dion, um, any, any last words that you wanted to share with you? How do people, how do people find you? How do, if one people want you to MC their events and stuff like that? Uh, look, um, Few ways um, you can uh, DM me on my uh, new Instagram, which is Mr Worldwide nineteen ninety nine. Mr Worldwide nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, or uh, uh, email me directly, Dion at WooCorp dot com. Dion at WooCorp. Dion D I O N at Beautiful, Dion. It's been a pleasure. I've really looked forward to speaking with you today. Pleasure's been all mine. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Hundred percent. And I, I can see you going hard, and things are going fantastic. So congratulations to you. Oh, appreciate you. Thank you, <laughs> Thank brother. You, brother. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs>